0: Up and coming uh, announcements. I do want to welcome uh, Roger and Misty. They, they visited on Sunday. It's good to have you guys back today. Um, these, these are uh, uh, friends. I think M- Misty, is that correct? Is a, is a friend of Hannah's, and, and uh, it's good to have Roger uh, uh, here with us again. And they just, you folks made them feel comfortable on, on uh, Sunday morning, and, and they wanted to come visit our. Uh, Wednesday evening service, and I warned him he's got the the B or C team this evening, so don't hold that against us just keep coming back and he'll get a real sense of uh, what this this uh, body is about. Uh, I, I do want us to spend some time tonight, however, in God 's word, uh, something I've uh, been real excited about um, about looking at over the past several weeks and I and, uh, just want us to consider for a little bit wisdom. And if you guys that have been in the, in the Young Adult Sunday School class or, or the few occasions I've had to spend in here before, uh, I, I like interaction. I like you to, you know, I may throw a question or two out there to you and I'd like you to participate to, to answer me. So don't be bashful in answering any of these questions. Um, but before we turn to our, uh, our passage, which will be Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, I want to ask you, uh, what, what would you say in today's day and age constitutes wisdom? What what would you say? How is wisdom manifested or what does wisdom look like today? Experience. Experience is a, is a good way to good way to put that. Uh, anybody else want to throw something out there? What 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 would wisdom look like in today's day and age? Making wise choices. Making wise choices, yes ma'am. Tommy? Someone that's successful, yeah, yeah, these are a lot of uh, good things now let me throw a question out there do you, do you feel there's a difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom Amen. Um, and and, and I, I, that's a resounding yes in fact, James chapter three verses thirteen through seventeen is a is a great collection of a few verses that contrast worldly wisdom and and heavenly wisdom or godly wisdom we're going to look at that a little bit later in uh, in in the evening, but uh uh, yeah, I, I think we would all agree that there is a difference uh, in in uh, in the two. Um, King um, King Solomon, one knows that, uh, or you folks know that it was uh, King Solomon that that uh, asked the Lord for wisdom to rule the people, and uh, he's considered by many one of the wisest men, right? Uh, in, in fact, we're going to spend some time in the book of Proverbs. As you see, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7 is going to be our text, which again we'll get to in just a moment. But in reading of the Proverbs, you don't have to read far into that book to, uh, uh, to see what that book's all about. In fact, the, if you could, the main purpose, the key verses, the, the thesis, if you want to use that word, uh, is found in those first seven verses. Um, King Solomon himself, as I mentioned, the one who prayed to God for wisdom, Uh, and and God gave him that and so much more, wisdom to rule the people. Wisdom from a pure heart, his desire for the reason for wanting that wisdom, God honored that. Um, King Solomon receives a wide range of credit for for writing this book, Proverbs. Um, uh, Many attribute the entirety of the book to one man being being King Solomon. Many others attribute... King Solomon as being the collector of of Proverbs for hundreds and hundreds of years and bringing it all into one book. Um, the book itself um, records at least two other people as having been contributors. A man named Agur and Lemuel uh, are also attributed to that. And then with that latter, Lemuel, there's some dispute as to whether Uh, He was actually Solomon or not. So there's a wide range of who wrote the book of Proverbs. But I think, um, without a doubt, King Solomon played a large part in this book. Let me back up. I know King Solomon played a very large part in this book. and, And let's do this. Let's agree that being God's Word, I'd like to put less emphasis tonight on just how much of this is Solomon and realize how much of this is from the Lord, and that's 100%. Less on who penned them. Uh, and more on what the purpose of these uh, of these words were. Well, let's look into Proverbs chapter one verses one through seven again. That's the main focus of our text tonight. Proverbs chapter one verses one through seven. I'm going to read those in its entirety. It says this: The Proverbs of Solomon, uh, the son of David, king of Israel. Yeah, go ahead and stand if you will for the reading of the of the word. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction." Let's open in prayer. Lord, I'm so thankful to have an opportunity to be in your house tonight. Thank you for the faithful that are here this evening, Lord. We pray that you would uh, uh, just protect us from any harsh weather that might come. We're so thankful that it rains on the, on the uh, radar, Lord, and we do pray that you bring that our way. But Lord, I ask for the next few minutes that you would focus our thoughts and our minds and our hearts on just what your Word has to say right here. Lord, deliver under us what you would uh, have us to see in your Word tonight. And we ask all this in your name. Amen. You guys go ahead and be seated. Um, So as we read that Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, again, I would call that the theme of of the entire book of Proverbs. Is there any one word or thought that stands out? Anything just kind of jumped out at you during those first four? Wisdom. Wisdom, yeah, consider wisdom. Seven times, or rather six times in those first seven verses, the word or wisdom are used. In verse 2, to know wisdom. In verse 3, to receive the instruction of wisdom. Verse 5, twice, a wise will hear. And then he mentioned wise counsels also. Verse 6, spoke of the words of the wise. And verse 7, um, contrasted uh, foolishness uh, or fools and mentioned how fools despise uh, wisdom. Within all 31 chapters of the book of Proverbs... The word wise and wisdom combined for just over a hundred uses. A hundred places in those 31 verses uh, wise or wisdom are, are used. Not to mention knowledge, understanding. I mean, that's discounting all of those. Just wise and wisdom are, are mentioned in those uh, uh, over a hundred times. 106, 108 times um, in, in those uh, all, 31, all 31 books. Um, man, there must be something to... Uh, wisdom and something that the Lord would have us to gain from this book, how fitly placed. And uh, it's that very thing I want us to look at, just a few things regarding uh, wisdom tonight. Uh, as, um, as the summary of the book closes there in verse 7, there's one mention that despises wisdom. Uh, he's identified and um, it, it doesn't cut any corners in calling them a fool, um, He's introduced there. He appears throughout the book of Proverbs numerous times. Um, and, and, and in many places, it's, it's as a contrast to wise, wise behavior to wisdom or wise attributes. Uh, the fool or the foolish is, is mentioned. Now, I want us to understand that in this book of Proverbs, in almost every occurrence, the wise is not held up as one having great mental ability And likewise, the foolish is not held up as one lacking any mental ability. There's far greater meaning than that. There's a a, a richer meaning in in that. Like many other places in the Word of God, um, matters of the heart uh, supersede what what may uh, come about in mental capacity or or other... in, In fact, any other property, matters of the heart trump nearly everything else. And uh, no difference there when the wise are held up and the foolish are, are mentioned as well. has nothing to do, as we'll see in almost every instance, with mental abilities, but rather one's heart. And it's a few of those things I want us to look at tonight. Um, there are, in fact, on that same thought, Proverbs is not the only place in the Word of God where the wise are held up as seeking God and the foolish are held up as perhaps those not um, it's not an issue of the, the wise or the saved and the foolish or the unsaved. There, like I said, there's other verses in the, in the Word of God that use that same contrast in a f- fashion that has nothing to do with one's uh, state of salvation or one's, one's being saved or not being saved. A couple that come to mind, turn over to Matthew chapter 25, if you will. Matthew 25, verses 1 through 4. This will be familiar when we get there. It says this then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto 10 virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom and 5 of them were wise and 5 were what foolish 5 were wise 5 were foolish they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps while the bridegroom tarried they all slumbered and slept and you know how the rest of this verse goes uh, this is a, a, a teaching of the Lord there in, on, on the Mount of Olives, and, and he's, He uses this illustration of ten virgins waiting for a bridegroom. Five were wise, five were foolish. Now, they're all, bri- they're, they're all brides. They're, they're all His, soon to be His, but yet there may be a difference in their preparedness, if you will, or they're actively looking for the coming of that bridegroom. And the terms wise and foolish are held up there. Turn over also to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. A little bit longer read, but Ephesians chapter 1, I, I think, holds some, some great, um, uh, holds a great contrast also to the wise and the foolish. Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to read most of, if not all, of verses 1 through 17. Bear with me. It was just a joke about having brought a snack. Um uh, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 starts, Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness and and covetousness, let it not once be named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks." So. Paul, in his letter to Ephesus, begins to list some things here. You may want to leave some things off, and you may want to take on other properties. Well, let's continue in verse 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for when ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Let's pause for just a moment. This letter, written by Paul to the church at Ephesus, believers in Ephesus. So keep that thought in mind when we're looking at what Paul's discussing. Hey, let these properties not be found in you, Christians. Let let these properties, which reflect Christ, be found in you, Christians. Right. So he's, he's giving this letter to Christians, mentioning things. Hey, don't do these things because... They look like something you don't want to look like. Keep that in mind. This, this letter is to, to the Christians. Verse 9 continues, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. And I love these next three verses. It says in verse 15, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as what? Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. I love that verse 17. Let's read that again. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now back to Proverbs, if you will. Um, in those two references above, in Matthew and in Ephesians, um, the contrast, once again, is not of the saved and the lost. Um, the, the, the virgins were not held up as, oh, some are going to be married and some are not. Uh, they're, they're all... Um, uh, betrothed to the bridegroom who are, are coming. It's just that some were looking for him and some, some were not. Uh, some were actively looking for the bridegroom uh, and others were not. Uh, th- th- they're in um, that epistle to the church in Ephesus. Uh, it's, it's um, Verse 17 summed it up. The wisdom was attributed to those who actively seek to know the will of the Lord and the foolish to those who have other things on their list of priorities. Uh, Those applying biblical truths and those not applying biblical truths can be uh, more likened to what this wise and and foolish are are mentioned in in all three references, both in Proverbs and in Matthew uh, and um, and in Ephesians. Now, let me encourage you this. When you read and study the book of Proverbs... Don't simply write off the, the mentions or the illustrations, the, the, the very use of the terms wise and foolish as the foolish are lost and the wise are not. You might just miss out on some blessings and miss out on some opportunities to be challenged. Hey, I may be in the camp of the foolish, still his, but I'm finding myself in the camp of the foolish when I could apply what's being really taught here in in this book of Proverbs and move towards the camp of the wise. It's those things I want us to look at tonight. Again, we're back in Proverbs. um, So just be careful not to attribute wise as saved and foolish as not when you're studying there in the book of Proverbs. Now on that thought, don't look around. But you think about who's in here tonight. Okay. Think about who you shook hands with, and maybe it's not the best exercise, but I think it's safe to say it's even possible that tonight we might have some wise Christians in this room and some who are not wise. I won't say the other word, but some who are not wise. But yeah, it's possible that we, that, that we find ourselves in, in, in the camp of the wise or in the camp of the not so wise or the camp of the foolish. and. And uh, God would not have us to dwell in the camp of the unwise. Uh, he would want us to move towards uh, his position. In fact, he gives some really good information that, boy, if we just ask, he's going to be faithful to get you on the move. And, uh, boy, that we're going I hope to wrap up with that tonight. But, so uh, let me ask you this. Who has a favorite sport or activity or pastime, something you really enjoy doing? Sport or activity wise that you just, i mean it's like a good pastime for you let me let's hear a few of them baseball, baseball? you play baseball by the way does anybody know who swept tampa bay today I, I mean yesterday and today okay i'm just curious if y'all if if they're if you're real baseball fans um two games right how about you football, football? you like playing football golf, golf? okay it that's no that's that's no that's good yeah kyson you sleep do you practice that to get good at it that's where i'm going so so whether it be in baseball or whether it be in golf or football uh and you got a uh, you got a neat program ahead of you if you're going to play ball and you want to play ball through school man work hard at it and practice hard and give a hundred percent or more and and watch how you grow and get good at that's how you do it right get to the fundamentals, understand what it takes to be good, what it takes to get better. What am I doing that maybe I need to change or to do differently to try to improve upon a skill set? There, there's oftentimes clear-cut paths on how you make improvement. Now, not everyone is going to grow up and play Major League Baseball or play in the NFL but, and, or be on the PGA like... like uh, um. Well, not anybody in here, but uh, uh, you are pitiful golfing associate. I heard that uh, Brother Gary took lessons in golf one time, and uh, he was out there. I mean, just and he's a good golfer, right? But always wanting to get better, I think. You ever you ever go out and you and you hit that two over and you're like, Man, I could have been, you know, one over or even if I just had played this hole differently or that hole differently. he's out on the driving range and, and he's hitting these balls and yeah, it's a tough day. Not often does he have a bad day and these ants are watching him and man, he's just tearing up, there's divots left and right, and these uh, ants finally look at each other and say, Man, if we're gonna survive this thing, we need to get on the ball. So <laughs> he's, he's hitting everything but the ball. But um, no, there, there are clear-cut paths if you want to improve upon something, you might put some effort or practice into. And this thing of moving from the camp of the foolish to the camp of the wise is no different. There are clear-cut things in God's Word. Again, we ag- agreed that there's worldly wisdom and there's biblical or godly wisdom. And it's the godly wisdom we're concerned of. So where do we get instruction on moving towards godly wisdom is out of God's Word. And that's what we're hopefully doing tonight. Look over to James chapter 3. James chapter 3 verses 13 through 17. Just if there was any doubt, here's the description of the, the difference of the two. James chapter 3. Verses 13 through 17 says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure and peaceable and gentle easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Now, as much as I would like to, that's not the premise of our lesson this evening. It's, but I, I encourage you, dig into those properties, into those attributes, if you want to see what godly wisdom looks like. There's some good, some good meat right there. Instead, I want us to look at a couple of other things. In the book of Proverbs, which is where we started, uh, there are five requirements, if you will. And I, I use that term loosely. Not, not so, maybe not so much a requirement, but there are things in God's Word that says, hey, if you want to develop wisdom, consider this field. Here's an attribute that will grow that wisdom. And there's five of those that I want to look at tonight. The first being humility. Um, there are two verses I want us to look at. Proverbs chapter 11, if you want to, if you want to turn over that way. Let's just talk about humility for, for just a moment. I, I really fear that, that humility is, is something that's waning in today's society. Um, often misunderstood. Often um, other things are attributed to being true humility. And I won't get off on, on any of that stuff, but, I just, but when, when you want to employ, understand true humility... Go to God's Word to understand humility. If there's a difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom, um, there are differences between these five attributes we're going to look at, what how the world views them and how God's word views them. And, and, and you will never err by going to God's word for the definition of these properties that we want to grow within ourselves if our goal is to be more like Him. So when we say humility, we're talking about Christ-like humility, godly humility. From an ethics perspective, the world might say it's freedom from pride and arrogance. And there's a lot of great truth to that, right? That is a good foundation for humility. On a higher level, consider it as lowliness of mind. or uh, And here's the best definition, I think, is uh, a... An accurate view of one's unworthiness in light of God's holiness. Man, that's, it, that's humility. Uh, an accurate view or a healthy view of one's unworthiness um, basically in the sight of God. Right? We are nothing. He is God. And, and understanding that can can really change how we respond to almost every situation. Well, two verses real quickly. Proverbs chapter eleven verse two. Proverbs eleven two says this: When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. And then Proverbs fifteen thirty three. Proverbs fifteen thirty three says: The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. There is much to be said in gaining wisdom by employing humility. And God's Word doesn't cut corners about that very thing. Well, the next requirement, if you will, or attribute we want to employ uh, would, would be this. It would be teachableness. And uh, simply put, um, it would be one's ability to learn by being taught. Right. That's pretty profound. There are there may be business owners in here tonight, uh, some who uh, uh, whether they own their business or they represent a company in a leadership role. And when you look for uh, employees, one really good attribute to find is one who's teachable. And, And that doesn't necessarily mean that they just don't know and they're just eager to learn, but rather they have come to the maturity to realize I may not know everything and I'm willing to learn more about it. And there's a big difference right there, and that's the teachableness that the Word of God is referring to. Simply put, like I said, it's it's, um, one's ability to learn by being taught, one who's willing to learn or eager to be taught. Uh, When we think, I like this quote here, when we think we have things already figured out, we're not teachable. When we think we have things already figured out, then we're not teachable. Now, we may know the subject, but if we think we've got it all figured out, um, we may not know everything there is about it. Um, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 9 says this. Proverbs 9, 9. "...Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning." And then again, back to Proverbs fifteen. Boy, that's a rich chapter. Proverbs fifteen, verse thirty one and thirty two. It says, "The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the what? Among the wise. The ear that heareth the reproof of the, of life abideth among the wise. He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. But he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. Man, that's a teachable. That's another attribute that we uh, can employ. Um, and grow and, and, and gain wisdom. Uh, the next would be diligence. The, the third that we're going to look at is diligence. Proverbs 8, if you want to be making your way over that way. Um, diligence is really simple to understand. It's conscientious hard work or perseverance um, on the surface, but in, in God's camp, Uh, conscientious hard work and perseverance particularly with regard to your relationship with Christ or your growth in His Word or your growth in an avenue of your Christian walk with Him that's diligence man I failed today I really tried to do this I tried to be like Christ in this avenue today but I just fell on my face and couldn't do it and what do you do you get back up and you try again with the next guy right right that's diligence. That, that, may be, that may just be what that diligence looks like. I know a guy. Some of you in here know this guy also. He is very mobile, but he's been um, mobile with the aid of crutches for decades. He, he lives here in town. I'm not going to say his word. Half of you already know who I'm talking about. But he gets around. i got f- several funny stories about this guy. But one of the things that he enjoys talking about is years ago... How many of you remember a day when Cabela's didn't exist over in North Fort Worth? Anybody remember that day? Ryan, has Cabela's always been there since you've been trouble like your little boy? No? Right? The first time uh, my girls saw your little boy, they're like, oh my, that's Ryan. You know, they see him come up through school. Anyway, so you remember the day when Cabela's wasn't out there on the prairie North Fort Worth, Right? Well, this guy and his wife, they went to Cabela's. And uh, milking his condition for having to get around on crutches, he asked his wife, hey, once not you drop me off at the door? Now, if you understand Cabela's grand opening, did anybody go to Cabela's grand opening? I did not. I, Jeff, I'm not as crazy as you are. Was there a crowd there? If you picture 170 that comes in from the east, he says, backed up, half a mile before you turn into the parking lot and then just waiting bumper to bumper to get up there and the parking lot was full the overflow was full and he asked his wife to drop him hey won't you drop me off up there at the door because I'm on my crutches I gotta I'll never get up there and she looked at him and she said look you'll chase a turkey with a six inch beard for three miles on those crutches I'm not dropping you off at that door so the moral of that story is he would do what he wanted to with much diligence, but when he wanted to milk a little bit, that diligence kind of went out the window. Man, in our Christian walk, we've got to be diligent at all times for Him, not just when we want to or the things that we want to. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. Um, David, don't you tell him I said that. He, it's a true story. He shared it with me. Um, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17 says... I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Can you see how that speaks to diligence and pursuit of God? And then likewise, Proverbs chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, it says, If thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. Diligence pays premiums. The fourth thing I want us to look at uh, that helps foster wisdom or requirements for growing wisdom would be uprightness, and uprightness is a is a um, principle, if you will, um, a concept that refers to moral and personal integrity. Uprightness, just remember that word. Uprightness involves living according to God's will and according to God's principles. In application, uprightness demonstrates a, a harmony, um, a faithfulness between one's beliefs and one's actions. It's walking uprightness. You believe the Word of God says, I need to live holy and justly? Then your actions prove it. That's uprightness. Um, that's a manifestation of uprightness. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 The verse I've got for that one. Proverbs 2, 6 and 7. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Get that. Where's the source of wisdom? It's the Lord. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of His mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. Now, uprightness has much to do with wisdom and gaining wisdom from the Lord. There's also a phrase there, a term there called a buckler. Um, the Lord giveth wisdom to the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. Anybody know what that word buckler means? At first glance, one might think, oh, he's going to put down, right? He's going to hinder. Not at all. That buckler is a is a, a military term, a personal protection. It's a shield. It's like a personal shield uh, for for protecting against maybe unwarranted attacks or or unforeseen attacks, right? It's not the big shield that you take into battle and you know there's going to be spears and, and arrows coming. It's that personal shield that one might have just on the outside chance. It's the concealed carry of the Roman days, if you will. Um, it's it's that uh, I'm going to be ready. And And it says the Lord is the buckler. Man, that's awesome. The Lord... Uh, is the buckler to them that walk uprightly he 's that personal shield well, fifth the fifth element here we 'll move on is, um, is faith now, from our recent Sunday morning series, you guys know and i 'm not going to jump up and down faith is what it 's substance right um, it, is, it is substance of things it is the, the real thing um, it's a you look at faith as a um, As a confident and trusting attitude towards God because of God's word. Right? I have confidence that what he says he'll do, he'll do. Uh, That's that's a manifestation of faith. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Go, Go there if you if you will. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. It says this: if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Talking about one, who's, one who needs and asks of the Lord in faith and then goes about and doesn't act in faith. That's the double-mindedness that's being talked about right there. But it does say back in verse 5, If you lack wisdom, ask it of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Man, what a, what a wonderful promise that is in His Word. Um, man, just, just ask of God. Um, what does it mean to upbraid? Let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Anyone want to take a stab at that one? Think about this. You come to the Lord... Lord, I know Your Word says if I, if I need wisdom, I ask of You, and you give it, You'll give it liberally. And, and then when you add in there that, and upbraideth not, that the Lord upbraideth not, it's, He's not going to chide you for asking for wisdom. What? You're asking me for wisdom? That kind of shows you don't have wisdom. That's not our God. He so honors that desire. He wants you to come to Him with that desire. And to pursue that godly wisdom, not earthly wisdom, but godly wisdom. And he'll, give, he'll honor that request. He did it for Solomon. He'll do it for us today. Another portion I like. Um, is it really 743? Okay, all right, good deal. Um, wisdom is personified in this. Go back to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter... Did you think that's funny, Kyle? You're laughing at me for that. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. Um, for, for those literature nerds, you know what personification is? What is that word personification? What does it mean to personify? Ryan, you're out. I'm not going to ask you. What, what, is that, what does that mean? Yes, sir. That's exactly right, to give a personal attribute to an impersonal or inanimate object. You know that in Proverbs chapter 1, wisdom is personified? Oftentimes throughout the book of Proverbs, wisdom is held up as a, as a she, as a female tense. And, and there's, there's really great beauty in that. And the foolish is the he. But anyway, y'all take that for what that's worth. But wisdom is personified in these verses Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through 33. And I'm going to take the time to read that. I want you to see this. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through 33 says, Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse. In the openings of the gates in the city, she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and the fools hate knowledge. Remember, this whole discourse is wisdom, talking to the people. She goes on and says in verse 23, Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you, because I have called and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded, but ye have said it not all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. You get that? Wisdom has counsel and reproof. There's a possibility that wisdom can say, hey, you need to stop that and look more like this. Wisdom said, hey, you, you wouldn't have my counsel or my reproof. Um, verse 25, uh, But ye have said it not all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I will also, or I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. That might be two things that produce or bring wisdom. Um, Verse 30 continues, They would none of my counsel. They despised all of my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. I'm going to stop right there for just a minute. But in that verses 20 through 32... Wisdom says this, she cries out to all that will listen, hey, all you have to do is ask of me, and I'll freely come. Again, the author of the book of Proverbs saying, wisdom is proclaiming that there is ease in obtaining her. Sadly, we, we, many don't seek her. And, and the, the rest through verse 32 talks of the calamity of those who don't seeker but don't miss out on verse 33 it says but whoso hearkeneth unto me unto wisdom shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil man that's an awesome change right there's much calamity in refusing that godly wisdom but boy what comfort in receiving it and being edified by it. boy that's that just that that just thrills my soul right there uh, and so, again, James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it, wisdom, shall be given him. Um, what great promise is there in the, in, the, in the Word of God. Now, we frame this up as five requirements for gaining godly wisdom. Um, five... Uh, five attributes, if you will, that might look like growing wisdom. Um, and at those five, five, uh, at those five attributes, God's Word says these things will foster wisdom. Hopefully, as we look through those, we looked at humility, at teachableness, at diligence, at uprightness, and at faith, you saw how within the book of Proverbs... Uh, we can support that these attributes you're asking for, gaining these attributes will help us to grow and foster wisdom. Now, maybe it sounds or looks something like this in our personal life or in our prayer life. Um, Regarding humility, it could look something like, Lord, I, I sure need to grow humility. You know my heart, my pride. Help me to set that pride aside and realize that I'm nothing and you're everything and that your will is most important. And then regarding teachableness, you might it might sound something like help me to stop thinking that that I know everything help me to to, to stop um, proclaiming or acting like I know it all and and this is good and place godly men or women in, in my life that could be an example to, to me to to, uh, uh, to, to see how they walk uprightly and circumspectly. Lord, grow me. Uh, place, place godly men or women in my life who demonstrate how to be more like you. And maybe diligence looks something like, Lord, create in me a, a relentless desire to grow more like you um, or to be more conformed to your will. Uh, uprightness might look like, uh, help me, Lord, to live every day according to the statutes and the promises and the principles that are in your word. And when I fail or when I fall or when I stumble, then help get me back there quickly. And then and by faith. And here's where this, I think it all comes together. Anyone ever seen that M.C. Escher picture where this arm is coming out of the paper and it wraps around and it's actually drawing itself? You ever seen that? Like an infinity I almost brought that picture. Y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. Look up M.C. Escher and look for that picture. It's pretty awesome. And I think this happens right here. So we looked at four attributes that talk about being um, growing wisdom. And then faith is this. It might look like this. Lord, I know Your Word says that if anyone lacks wisdom, that they should ask of You and You'll give it freely and liberally. Lord, I'm asking for humility. Grow humility in me. Grow teachableness, diligence, uh, uprightness in me. Lord, grow my faith. And you might be surprised at how godly wisdom comes along with those things right there. I want to encourage you guys. Consider wisdom. Study it out yourself. Don't, don't sit through a message and, and think, wow, um, yeah, this is what we need to do. There's five attributes. No, I just want to whet your appetite. Get into Proverbs and look at what that book has to say about wisdom, the goodness of it and how to attain it. And rest assured, God's promises are true and they're, uh, uh, they're real. It's worth it, guys. Just, I would just want to consider you guys, consider wisdom. Um, and then be prepared to use that wisdom which He gives and then use that more for His will. And uh, I, I, I promise you, He'll bless you for it. Well, we're going to come to a a time of uh, conclusion. We're going to close this right here. We call it an an invitation, if you will. Don't really know how to give an invitation like this. I just want to...